Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going we're gonna to read it. It will be on the screen, but also you can read it because I just, I just like it when we can just read into God's word together. And again, simple message, but I believe it will help many of us here today as it helped us this morning. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for this time together. And as always, Lord, we just ask you to just have your way. That's all we can do, Lord, is have, ask you to have your way. Your, way, your word says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. We don't want what seems right. We want what is right, God. And so, Lord, we pray now that the Holy Spirit has helped us now, Lord, and soften our hearts to receive your seed, your word. We pray that your word would find good ground in every heart that's here. Help us not to focus on who's not here. Help us to focus on us who are here, God, so that we can receive what you want to say and walk out of here differently than the way in which we came in. So, Father, I commit myself to you now, Lord. I pray, as the old preachers would say, Hide me behind the cross so that Christ and Christ alone is seen. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And let us all say amen. amen. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 9. I don't have my glasses, so i got to bring it up close to me. So if you have it, say, got it? Got it. Come on, I want to hear from you, okay? You slept, you slept in. There's no excuse for you not to have energy, all right? So if you have it, say, got it? Got it. All right, here we go. 2 Samuel chapter 9, it says this. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Look up here for a second. Everyone say Mephibosheth. Yes, you guys, you don't know how to say it either, right? So when I mess up here, don't you dare laugh at me, okay? All right, now we can proceed. Okay, here we go. Verse 2. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Are you, I'm sorry, at your service, he replied. The king asked, is there still no one left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth. At your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Verse 11, then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Look up here. <coughs> I want to just share some things with you, looking at the life of Mephibosheth and hopefully being able to parallel it with some of, with some of our lives that are here, with us who are here. And as I said earlier in my prayer, my prayer is that we won't think about who's not here, okay? Because when you think about who's not here, you don't focus on the fact that God could be talking to you. 
And I like to believe if you're here today and I'm here today, God has some things he wants to say to me. And even though I'm preaching this, I promise you God is talking to my own heart concerning some things. So let's just look at Mephibosheth and find out who this guy was and what can we glean from his life. Mephibosheth, as we just finished reading, is the son of Jonathan, the grandson of the first king of Israel. Anybody know his name? Saul, King Saul. So this, is a, so this son, this Mephibosheth, is the son of David's friend named Jonathan, but he's also the grandson of David's foe named Saul. You remember Saul and how Saul would throw spears at David and how Saul would hunt David down and things of that nature. Well, this is his grandson. And David now has encountered quite a number of things over the years. He is now king over all of Israel, not just Judah, but over all of Israel. He's sitting on his throne, and as he sitting on his throne, something comes to his mind. He says, who in Saul's house can I show kindness to? Don't, don't get it wrong. It's for the sake of Jonathan, but he mentioned Saul's house. See, if it's me, I'm not going to mention my foe. I'm not that kind of guy. God is still working on me. Say, God's working on him. Yeah, God is working on me. But I'm not that guy that always wants to do something good for those who do wrong to me. I like this side because I'm not alone. I heard somebody say, mm, all right, so we're good here. Just like this morning, it's something about this side right here, all right? But it's the truth. But with that being said, with that being said, David is thinking about Saul's house, and he says, listen, who can I show kindness to? But it's not just kindness. If you look in your Bibles, verse 3, because I don't have it on the screen, it says this. The king said, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? So it's not, it's not a human kindness. It's a God type of kindness. And why is that so important? Because what we need to understand about David, we know that David is what is called a type of Christ. It's someone in the Old Testament who has the, in the Old Testament who has the characteristic of Jesus, obviously Jesus in the New Testament. And David exemplifies characteristics of Jesus many times over. So for our purposes today, he's a type of Christ. And now he's not showing David's kindness. Because how many know David was not a kind guy all the time, right? David was a bad man. He was. You got to read about him. But David is saying, who can I show God's kindness to? Who can I exemplify the way God is kind to people? And the person that comes to his mind, he calls Ziba. Ziba mentions Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. And what David does, the first thing about God's kindness is this. God's kindness does not leave you in a place of despair. God's kindness is one of rescuing, rescuing you. Look at my first point here. Number one is this. He was rescued, meaning Mephibosheth was rescued by the king. See what it says? So David had him brought from Lodabar. Now, I think it's important that you understand what's Lodabar. Lodabar was an area, a place northeast, about 80 miles to 100 miles northeast of Jerusalem. But it wasn't a place like Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a place of peace, a place of pasture, a place of plenty. Lodabar, its name means no word, no communication. It's a place of frustration. It's a place of dissatisfaction. It's a place where there's no fruit. And I'm not talking about fruits of the Spirit only. I'm just talking about there's no fruit in life. It's a place where people are there are stagnant, stale, doing nothing with themselves, making plenty of promises about what they might do, but they never get around to doing it. Somebody say he's already preaching. I am. I am. So that's what Lodabar is. It's a place, again, being unfruitful. It's a place of barrenness. And this is where now Mephibosheth finds himself. And what's so crazy about that is remember, Mephibosheth is the grandson of King Saul, the son of Jonathan, which means he grew up in the palace. Imagine he went from the palace to the ghetto. 
He went from potential to now in a place of just nothing. And not only is he not in, not only is he in a place like that, but he's in somebody else's house. He was once a prince, but now he's a pauper. This is who we're talking about, this Mephibosheth. But the king hears about him, and the king doesn't leave him there because the king is operating in God's kindness, and what he's doing now is he's showing mercy to now this Mephibosheth because, remember, he's the son of also his enemy, but he reaches out to him. Now, I don't know about you, but that reminds me of what the Lord has done for you and for me. In Titus, here's what it says, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. It says, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness. So what are we talking about? God's kindness. When he revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. But because of his what? His mercy. In other words, brothers and sisters, you and I have been in a place of despair, a place of death. You and I have been away from God. We were enemies of God, but we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. How many are happy that you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus? And guess what? It had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with the kindness of God. That he would rescue you, that he would save you, that he would give his life, send his son to give his life for you. The scripture says that he, that he gave his life for us so that no one can boast. Nobody can say, I earned this. How many know the only thing that we earned, the only thing that we deserved is the, 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 the punishment of God, if you will, the wrath of God. But instead of the wrath of God, we receive the mercy of God. Everybody in here. And when we say mercy, everybody say mercy. Now, you got to say it louder than that. Everybody say mercy. mercy. Now, the reason why I say you got to say it louder than that, because let me tell you something. You're only here. I'm only here because of the absolute mercy of God. Amen. Nobody here, no, amen. Let's all say amen to that. Nobody here. And this is important because remember, he rescued him. He brought him up from Lodabar. He brought him up from Lodabar. He didn't have to, but he chose to bring him up from Lodabar. God didn't have to, but he chose to. Please remember that. He didn't have to. You know, you're here because God chose to save you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Love was demonstrated by action. He chose to love you. And when people say, no, but you know, I've done this and I've done that, I deserve, you deserve nothing but the wrath of God. How many know we don't deserve a thing in terms of the goodness of God? But it's the mercy of God. So we see God's kindness is one of showing mercy, one of rescuing. And this is what the king did. The king rescued him from a place of death to bring him to a place of life. Are you all with me, brothers and sisters that are here? Number two is this. Well, don't get to number two yet. Let's talk about how he got there, why he needed to be rescued. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, very important. If I miss this, I miss everything. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4 tells us how he ended up in a place called Lodabar. It says, Saul's son, Jonathan, had a, had a son named Mephibosheth, who we just talked about. He was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. So imagine, on one, in one day, News is coming that his grandfather and his father is dead in one day. That's, what he's doing. That's what's happening. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. Can you just picture the scene? He wasn't always crippled. 
There was a time in his life when as a four-year-old, as a three-year-old, possibly as a five-year-old, that he was running about. He was doing things that five-year-olds do. He was saying his ABCs, get ready for pre-K or kindergarten. I mean, he was a cute child. He was a lovely child. He did things. He jumped up. He jumped down. He broke things. He picked things up, put things down. That's what he did as a five-year-old. But there came a time when the news came, your grandfather and your father is dead. And the nurse, the person who was supposed to protect him, what happened was when she picked him up, the person who was supposed to protect him also dropped him. And as a result, this young boy is crippled. He's lame. And now, as opposed to having all of his limbs and being able to do things that many people could do, he's unable to do a lot of things because of a traumatic experience in his life. And I believe, Mephibosheths that are out there, the reason why in your life you're stagnant, the reason why in your life you're in Lodabar, the reason why you're dissatisfied, the reason why you have all of these different things going on, is just like what happened to Mephibosheth happened to you. There was a moment in your life when someone who you trusted, someone who was supposed to protect you, dropped you. It could be, as I talk with a lot of young men, it could be a father who left. How many times have I heard from a parent, you know, he used to be a lovely child. He used to be so jolly. She used to be so jolly. There was so much life to her, so much potential to her, in her. But then what happened was when he left, now all of a sudden her whole disposition changed. Everything about him changed. When the mother became an alcoholic, everything changed. When the parents divorced, everything changed. In other words, somewhere down the road, somebody got dropped. You got dropped by somebody. It could be a business person that's here. You promised, the guy said or she said, we're going to go into business together. We're going to do great things and then they reneged on their promise, which hurt you, crippled you financially, emotionally, mentally. For some people, it's a church, it's a pastor, it's the people of God that have hurt you. I've heard it said that the church is the only army that kills its wounded. Many people feel that way, and so as a result, they get crippled emotionally, spiritually speaking. And that's how he ends up in that condition. And that could be the way it is for you. He promised that we would be able to stick it out and we would work this thing through. But instead, you know what? He found pleasure in someone else or something else. She said no till death do us part. But when I lost a job, I lost her and she left. It could, be in a, it could be a company. How many people have worked for 20 plus years at a company? Has, they've given it the company their all. And, as re, and then all of a sudden there's some layoffs and they're like the first to go. Or the company shows no loyalty. And then again, they're dropped. They're crippled. They're just left in a place of they just can't move beyond what has happened to them. Now, I don't want to minimize some things that have happened to people because there are a lot of traumatic things that have happened to people that are not pretty to talk about. So I'm not talking about those things. There are certain things that, you know what, you just, God has to help you get the counsel that you need to get beyond it. But I'm talking about those things where, hey, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you, you've long gone from that company, long gone from those relationships, and you're still stuck. How many people have gone into relationships and said, you know what, this is the best love ever, but it didn't work out, oh, I'll never love again. Come on, am I telling the truth, somebody? All right? You meet them. Maybe you are them been dropped, crippled, stagnant, on the treadmill, going nowhere real fast. For years, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, but you're not doing anything. See, the thing about God, what I love about God is he can't leave you there. This is why he reaches down to rescue you. And so this is what happened with Mephibosheth. 
There was more to his life. He was caught up with the fact that he was crippled. And yeah, he was a fugitive, but there was more to his life. There was more God created him for. And so I'm so grateful for a king who sits on his throne, King David, and all of a sudden God comes upon him and he gets this thought, who can I be kind to? Oh, he's down there? I'm going to rescue him because that's not where he belongs. And Mephibosheth today, that is not where you belong. The next thing is this. We find out about Mephibosheth. It's number two. He was restored by the king. Everybody say he was restored. restored. Everybody means everybody. <laughs> Come on. Everybody say he was restored. restored. There you go. I want to hear from you. Here it is. Here's what David says. Don't be afraid, David said to him, because remember, he was frightened. He was afraid. He was a fugitive. Can't blame the guy. I get it. He says, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, because they had a pact. They had a covenant. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. He doesn't just rescue you. He rescues you for the purpose of restoring you. Because, see, when he created you, he had something in mind. How many know God is not sitting up in heaven saying, what should I do? Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should. No, God already has an intention for your life. He speaks a thing and it becomes a thing. That's the way God operates. And so there's a certain plan that God has for your life. I know this to be true because Jeremiah 29, 11, we love to quote it. He says this, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to prosper you. We can say that's for Israel, but let me tell you something. You are the people that he's talking to today. It means, it speaks about, I know the will, the desire, the things in my heart for you. God says, I know those things I have for you. And it's not to be in Lodabar. So, as I rescue you, I want you to know I'm rescuing you for the purpose of restoring you. We love John 10.10. I hope you love John 10.10. John 10.10, Jesus tells us what the goal is, why he came. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy But everyone nice and loud with me, read. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. One more time, everyone. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Do you see? This is the purpose of God. God sent his son to die for us so that we will have now, we can uh, can receive his righteousness, be in right standing with him, and now we can live out the purpose that he has for our life. So if you find yourself dissatisfied, If you find yourself in a desolate place, if you find yourself in a place of being stagnant, there's no growth, growth, there's no progress. If you find yourself in a place of being barren, there's no fruit, there's nothing going on in your life. I got news for you. You are in Lodabar. But he doesn't want you in Lodabar. He says, I've come that you might have a rich. It doesn't mean money. It means satisfying, fulfilling, a rich and satisfying life. I know it doesn't mean money because there are people who have billions of dollars who are so unhappy. We wouldn't mind a few, but I'm just saying they have millions of dollars and they are so unhappy because they're not doing what they were created to do or they're not using what it is. I should say they have not connected with the father to understand why he's given them that ability to do what they do. He says, I've come that you might have rich and satisfying life. You can't have that in Lodabar. So not only will I rescue you, is what he did from Mephibosheth, but I'm going to restore to you the land. What is this land? It's not Lodabar. This land is good land. This is good soil. This land can, there's potential in this land. There's fruit in this land. This is the land that he's given back to the one who lost it all. One writer says it like this, and it's so true. He gained more with the king than he did before with his father and his, and his grandfather. 
with that king. And isn't it true for you and me? We've gained more coming to Jesus than before we came to Jesus. Amen. Let's put our hands together and affirm that. Absolutely. So he's restored. But he goes further. Again, we're talking about God's kindness. Number three is this. He was given resources by the king. Everybody say resources. Resources. Yeah, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 10, here's how it reads. He says to him, you and your sons, talking about Ziba, who was the steward of King Saul, who understood and knew where Mephibosheth was. He says, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. I don't want you to miss what's happening here. Check this out. Here's what's happening because remember, he's still crippled. So even though he has this land that has great potential, there are just some things he can't do by himself. I'm going to say it again. There are just some things that he can't do by himself. And so what does the king do? The king gives him resources. And who are the resources? What are the resources? The resources are people. And do you know the resources that you need? People say, Lord, if you just give me money, God, I know I can do this. You don't need money. You need people in your life. I didn't get much of an amen on that. So I'm going to say it again until I get a loud amen. You need people in your life. That's the greatest resource that you could have here on earth. You need people in your life. What's the sense of being rescued Being restored, meaning given this property that has potential, that can produce something, make you productive, but you don't have the means to do it. You need people in your life. And notice what the king says. You who have hands to do these things, I want you to farm the land for him so that he'll always have. Because he can't do it alone. And the same thing with you and the same thing with me. We need people in our lives. It's sad when people think, no, all I need is me and Jesus. Stop. I'm going to say it again, stop. Jesus had the 12 disciples, but he also had the three that went with him. We're everywhere. So we all need people in our lives. Do I get an amen, brothers and sisters? We all need people in our lives. Listen, because like we just finished a series in my church called Just Quit. And one of the things we talk about is just quit isolation. In other words, stop isolating yourself. Because too many people isolate themselves. And they think that they can do life on their own. God says it's not good for man to be alone. And he wasn't just talking about in terms of for procreation. No, he's saying for companionship. We all need somebody in our lives. We all need someone in our lives. So we were just talking about this. And one of the things that, um, that week, my daughter and I were painting in the basement, my youngest. And by the way, you guys have stolen my daughter away from me. She was here two weeks last year working, helping out here, and so now Chicago Tabernacle is like her main church, and our church is like a side church. Please pray for me, okay? I'm not dealing with that too well. I'm not dealing with that too well. Moving right along, back to the message, okay. With that being said, with that being said, we were were down there, we were painting, and I wanted to watch National Geographic because I was hoping something like this would show up, and it came on, and it showed about this this group of lions, and the lions were uh, following, I think it's called an elan is the name of the animal, and these animals, they would spend time by the swamp, 
And the reason why they would spend time by the swamp is because they knew the lions would come, but because of the build of the lions, the lions uh, could not uh, go a a long distance chasing after them because it's just too much for them and their body building all that in the water. So they're very smart. They were just grazed by the swamp. Well, anyway, uh, sure enough, the the commentator comes on and he says, and Jimmy, I don't know how they got names for these lions, but they got names for them. And Jimmy sees whatever and he's sneaking up and he knows he has to get within 25 five yards, otherwise he won't be able to capture it, and look how he's sneaking, and they show the whole thing. Isn't it like suspenseful? Look at all of you all, like, what, 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 what? So it's like, and so it's like you're catching on, you're watching, and all of a sudden, but then all of a sudden, the lion, the animal, he hears the lion, he goes. Now, I don't know about you, but doesn't it bug you out that they do that? It's like, dude, you know an animal is coming to attack you. What are you looking for? Get out and get out now. It's like people in Brooklyn, they hear gunshots. What was that? Get, yo, run, man, run. What are you doing? And so the animal goes like this and looks around. And sure enough, the lion sees it. And so the lion goes after him. And so when the lion goes after him, of course, because of the swamp, he gets tired. And the commentator goes, and another one bites the dust. But it may be his lucky day. Why? Because he turns around and he sees that there's one who chose not to be with the herd. There was one who's by himself. There's one who said, you know what, I can do this by myself. And as a result of that, now the lion, it is his lucky day, her lucky day, because now because it's isolated, it's by itself, and it's not where the water is, you know what, it gets eaten. And it reminds me of that verse that says, you know what, we have an enemy who's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's always looking for the weak one and the one who isolates himself. You're not called to do life alone. This is why there's the free, and this is why there's advanced, and this is why there's men's ministry and women's ministry. This is why there's ushers and children's church. Why? Because as you get into ministry, you know what? You connect with other people. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, so one woman sharpens the next. Guess what? There are men in here. There are men in here. There are men in here. You don't know how to be a father. Let's just face it, right? You grew up without a dad, so you don't know what it means to really be a father. So you know what you need to do? You need to get around other fathers. There are people in here, you didn't see great marriages, so you need to get around other marriages. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the next. As marriages, as one married couple gets with another married couple, so, you know, you, you get the point. It, you know, in other words, you got to be around people that you want to be like who can sharpen you. Because you're not called to do life alone. You won't be productive trying to live this life by yourself. Mephibosheth could not be productive with that land without having people around him. In Ecclesiastes, here's how the writer writes. He says this, two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Because they can help each other what? They can help each other what? Yeah, not just keep each other warm. Two are better than one. I know the singles are saying, I know that's right. But anyway, if one person falls... The other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is what? In real trouble. So I know we laughed, but listen, you find yourself by yourself, you're in real trouble. There's no one there to help you. What would it matter if he had this land, but there was no one there to help him? You can have all of this truth, but you need people sharpening you with this truth. Next thing, he was given rank by the king. And this is very good to me. And 2 Samuel 9, 11 says, Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant would do whatever my lord the king commands his servants to do. 
And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table. Everyone nice and loud? Like one of the king's sons. One more time, what? Like one of the king's sons. I don't know about you, but that encourages my heart here today. Because you know what? Truth be told, he wasn't one of the king's sons. But when he sat at that table, you could not tell that he was not one of the king's sons. When he had sat at that table, that table spoke about royalty. That table spoke about a position. That table spoke about protection. And all of that took place because he was at the king's table. At that king's table, you couldn't tell that he was crippled. As everyone is sitting there eating, you didn't know who was crippled and who wasn't crippled. And isn't it like that when you come into the body of Christ? How many know that you, you don't look like what you've been through? Isn't that true, somebody? Right? You sit with somebody and you know what? You think, oh, they must have had a good life until they open their mouth and tell you their testimony. What? And then you hear somebody, what? And you hear somebody, what? You did what? And then you remember that verse that not many of you were noble by birth <laughs> in 1 Corinthians, right? Not many of you were into influential. Not many of you were smart. You read about all these different things and you realize, oh, because at the foot of the cross, how many know we're all the same? So when he said, who am I? I'm not this dead dog that you would pay attention to him. Listen, when, when he rescues you, he doesn't see you as what you are. He sees you as what he intends for you to be. Amen. Let's, let's believe God and put our hands together and say yes to that. Yeah, we're all the same at the foot of the cross. We're all the same at the table of the Lord. No one could tell he was crippled. And you know what? He received the rank. In other words, he was considered as one of the king's sons. And I want to say to you today, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done in life. Listen to me now. 1 John chapter 3 tells us something. And I want you to hold on to this. Here's what it says in 1 John 1, 3. It says that 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And here it is. And that is what we are. I don't care what anybody say about you. You need to believe what God has said about you. And God has said that you are a child of the living God. And as a child of the living God, you don't belong in Lodabar. You belong in Jerusalem. One more time, let's put our hands together and bless the Lord. You may be thinking, oh, this is for like someone who doesn't believe the Lord. They need to get saved. No, I got news for you. Here's what I've learned. Pastor Toledo, I'm sure, will, will affirm this. That you know what I find? That there are many people who are Christians who are in Lodabar. Hallelujah. Not living to their full potential. Stuck in the past. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But just very unproductive with your life. And I'm not talking about holding the microphone and preaching from a platform. I'm talking about just letting your light shine on your job. I'm talking about what the, what the gifts that God has given you to just become an entrepreneur, to be successful. God wants you successful in every, area, in every area of your life. Because listen, when you're out there, all you're doing is you're demonstrating the love of God by loving on the people of God. Do I get an amen? We don't put our nose up at people. We don't judge people. That's God's job, not our job. Somebody please say amen to that right there, right? That's God's job. But we are called not necessarily to do life with them, yoke together with them, but we're called to be in their lives. How will they come to know the truth if you are not there with them? Amen. If it's dark and nobody has a flashlight, how I many know we're jacked up? We need somebody with a light. And all it takes is one person with a light for all of us to follow. Yes. Amen. Can I say that one more time? I ain't trying to be deep. Look, I'm just, it's just the truth, right? All it takes is one person with a light for all of us. Check like this. I don't know why I say check it out so much. But if we turn off all the lights and you didn't see the exit signs and you didn't know where you were going, What's the first thing you're going to ask? Who has a? 
who has a light. And do you know the people in your job, the people that you live with, you know, they might not say it to you, but they keep stumbling, they keep falling, they keep hitting their heads, they keep hurting themselves, and all they're wanting and waiting for is somebody with a light to please step into their life. Because if you have a light, you can lead them out. Are you all with me? You are the light. Don't diminish your rank. Don't go by, but you know, I don't always, we, we, none of us always. Work with the little bit that you have, but do not forget this. You are a child of the living God. You do not belong in Lodabar. Let me, let me wrap this up. This is very important here. Because you can be rescued like Mephibosheth was rescued. You can be restored like Mephibosheth was restored. I should say the king can want to restore you. The king can give you the rank that you need and give you the resources that you need. But let me tell you why Mephibosheth later on would become productive. There's a great story you read later on about some other things that happened with him and how loyal he was to David. But let me tell you why his life was on the upswing and was heading to productivity as opposed to being unproductive. Because even though God wants to rescue people, and even though God wants to restore people, and even though God gives people resources, and even though God tells people who they are in him, you know, a lot of people do not live productive lives. And it's because of this right here. Here it is, number five. He experienced relief, meaning rest. Jerusalem is a place of rest, a place of peace. He experienced relief because he responded to the king's call and remained at the king's table. Notice what it says in verse 13. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, place of peace, a place of plenty, because he always, what? Ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. In other words, hey, he, he didn't get it all together. Everything didn't come together for him. It wasn't perfect for him. But the reason why he was able to experience relief or rest, peace, plenty, is because he responded and he remained. A lot of times people respond, but they don't remain. You got to not just respond, you got to remain. When he calls, remember they call, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, the king is looking for you. And I'm sure he was scared. I mean, he was a fugitive on the run. A lot of things must have been running through his mind. But somehow he submitted himself, he humbled himself and submitted himself to the king, stood before the king. The king called him by name. He said what he is. The king, the, the king ignored what he called himself and the king told him what he's going to do. But it wasn't enough. He had to not just respond, but he had to remain at the king's table. The king would often say, and Mephibosheth will have a seat at my table. And Mephibosheth will have a seat at my table. And Mephibosheth ate at the king's table. In other words, if you get away from the king's table, brothers and sisters, that's where you find yourself going back to Lodabar. He doesn't want you going back to Lodabar. He wants you to stay at his feet, stay at his table, and dine with him, sup with him. Why is that? Because when you sit at the table with somebody, what happens at the table? Hopefully it's not just eating. Hopefully there's some conversation going on. This is why, ladies, if all he wants to do is take you to the movies and not to dinner, drop him like a bad habit. He doesn't know how to talk. I don't know who that was for, but that was free. Because there has to be some conversation. There has to be a conversation that takes place, right? From the conversation comes trust and love, but there has to be a conversation. So again, when you sit at the table, usually when you're sitting with someone that you want to be like or that you, you want to glean from, they're speaking life to you. We're at the table. Here's what... I want you to hear, read what it says in Revelation 3, verse 20. It says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And I want you to know this is Jesus speaking, not to unbelievers. He's speaking to his believers. 
And he's saying, listen, listen to me. I stand at the door and knock. Your marriage is in Lodabar. Your relationship with your children, Lodabar. Your life, Lodabar. Your finances, Lodabar. Emotionally, Lodabar. Mentally, Lodabar. Spiritually speaking, Lodabar. What you need to do is you need to sit. Come, come, just come and have a seat with me. Because if you come and sit with me, my spirit, who's the spirit of wisdom, I can give you wisdom on what you need to do in your specific situation. You don't have to stay in Lodabar. If you stay in Lodabar, it's because you choose to stay in Lodabar. But I'm calling you, and just like Mephibosheth, I'm saying, would you please just come and just have a seat? And notice what the Lord is. The, the Lord, notice his heart. It's like, okay, since you don't invite me, since, since, you know what, since you won't come to where I am, I'm coming to where you are today. Yeah, I set you up. I said, go to church, get your Jesus in. But when you get there, I want you to know, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. And I'm saying, are you going to keep the door closed and continue to argue, fuss, and fight in front of the children? Are you going to continue to wonder what you're going to do about this bill and that bill? Are you going to continue to do, wonder what I'm going to do with her, what I'm going to do with him? Are you going to continue to sit there and say, you know, I'll never love again? Or will you open the door and allow me to speak life over you and do in you what needs to be done? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. you got to come. You have to sit. You have to dine with me. You have to allow me to help you, is what the Lord would say. Wouldn't it be sad if after hearing that and the clapping and the <laughs> and all of that, and oh, that's, that's kind of cute, that was kind of cool, I got that, yeah, and you walk out of here with the door closed and Jesus is on the outside saying, Seriously? You, you're willing to go another year like that? You're willing to go another day like that? You keep talking about how tired you are of this and that. How tired are you really that I stand at the door? I'm coming to you. I didn't even say I'll come by me. I said I'll go to you. I'm standing outside your door. All you have to do is open it. And I'll come. And I'll sit with you. And I'll help you. And I'll surround you with the resources and the people that you need. So that you don't have to be in Jerusalem, but act like you're in Lodabar. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me, please. Because there are people here today who are Mephibosheths. Some people are still in Lodabar. And the Lord wants to rescue you. And then there are people here that you're in Jerusalem acting like you're in Lodabar because you have all the resources and all the things that are necessary to help you to be productive, but your mindset is still in Lodabar. He wants to renew your mind today. But will you open the door? Will you allow him to sit with you? Will you allow him to speak to you? If you would say, Tyrone, that's me. Brother, we sang the song, my help comes from the Lord, and I hear God speaking to me today that I need help, and he wants to help me. If that's you, whatever context it may be in, I don't know, God knows. I want you just to stand quickly to your feet if that's you here today. And you would say, God, I need your help today. I'm opening the door. I hear you knocking and I'm opening the door. 
I want you to stand and stand quickly. Don't see who else is opening their door. He's at your door today and he wants to help you and he wants to take you from a place of being unproductive to living a life that's fruitful. I want all of you who are standing, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come to the altar and this altar is gonna be a seat at the king's table. Come, come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. This is just a step of faith. That's all you're doing. You're just taking a step of faith. By me coming to that altar, I'm coming to this king's table. And I don't care what's going on in your life. You may say, this one's coming against me and that one's coming against me. You know what? He still prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. There's something about the table, but you got to come. And before we begin to pray for you, why don't you right now, just humble yourself, close your eyes, remove distractions. And can we just, as a sign of surrender, can we just lift our hands? The singers are going to get ready to sing in about a minute, but can we just lift our hands right where you are? Just talk to the Lord. God, my marriage. God, my children. God, my finances. God, me. I'm stagnant. I've been knowing you for how many years, but I'm still in a place of infancy. God, help me today. My desires are not your desires. God, my will, I need, it needs to be broken, Lord. I need to surrender to you. Just be honest with the Lord here today. And whatever your need is here, I promise you, he has it at the table. You need protein, he has it. You're a diet, you're a vegan, he has that. Whatever you need, he has it for you today. But just begin to talk to the Lord before we pray and before we sing. Hallelujah. And those of you who are still seated, come on. Why don't you lift your hands towards the, your brothers and sisters who are here. Be their resource right now. Be their hands extended and just begin to pray for them. Come on, everyone, just begin to pray now. Everyone, lift your voice and begin to pray. I thank you for even those, Lord, who felt to come but chose not to, Lord. You know their hearts, God. You know where all of us is, where all of us are, Lord. Start with me, the speaker, Lord. We can be in Jerusalem but still have a mindset like we're in Lodabar. Thank you that your word says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God, I pray that your word would have renewed some minds here today. Because, Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you were, you are, and what you are, you will continue to be. What you did for Mephibosheth, oh God, is what you want to do for our lives, oh God. You want to rescue some people here who need to be rescued, God. You want to, oh God, provide resources for them. You want to restore, God. You want to remind them of their rank, their privilege in you, God. But Lord, for us, it's that we must respond and remain, oh God, at your feet, God. Respond and remain in your presence, Lord. So God, I pray this won't be a passing emotion, God. I pray it won't be a moment of us just looking at our lives and feeling sorry for ourselves, but we'll know that because you're here with us, oh God, we don't have to stay in Lodabar, oh God. That you, the King of glory, you're calling us by name and you're saying you have something better for us, for you've come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So Lord, I pray for every man and woman, every young man and every young woman. I pray for every teenager, every mom that's here, every father that's here, every husband and every wife that's here, every employer and every employee. God, that we will leave out of here differently than the way in which we came in this place. So God, we'll leave here with our heads up high, oh God, confident in the God in which we serve, oh Lord. So thank you, Lord. And even at the table, oh God, there's grace set at the table, oh God. May we re be reminded that there is a throne of grace, that we can receive grace and mercy in our time of need, that we can constantly go to that throne of grace, oh God. So we commit ourselves to you afresh today, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would have your way in each and every person. Work in them, work through them, work for them. Glorify your name in each and every circumstance here, Father, so that when everything is said and done, Jesus, you will be glorified. 
We ask all of this in your name. And let all those who are leaving Lodabar say amen. 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 amen.